welcome to Just Jesus. This is lesson 22 today. And we're going to look at this subject, Adopted in Christ. Adopted in Christ. Fabulous subject. So let's continue. But before we do, let's just pray together. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today as we study this subject together, that you will help us to truly understand what it means to be sons and daughters of the living God. In Jesus' name I ask, Amen. Hallelujah. If you've got your notes, that's great. Remember to write down your five bullet points or up to five bullet points. And don't forget to answer the questions at the end. It's powerful when you begin to meditate on the lesson and begin to look at the questions, begin to look at your bullet points and allow the Holy Spirit to bring back the lesson to your remembrance and bring out different facets of the lesson to your heart and, and allow the Holy Spirit to truly minister to your heart so you can begin to adapt and change and live out what you're learning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this subject, lesson 22, Adopted in Christ. Let's read the introduction out loud together. When you became a Christian, a whole new life started. You were adopted to be children of God forever. Let's read that again. When you became a Christian, a whole new life started. You were adopted to be children of God forever. Hallelujah. And so this subject of children is so powerful because... This means that we're not just going through an organisation, like a God organisation. The church is not about just organisation or a religious uh, steps or religious uh, formulas or religious ways. We're a family. And we're a family because we are children of God. This is by birth. When you became born again, you was born again a child of the living God, a son and a daughter of the living God. So, you know, God is interested in family, isn't it? You know, the whole reason we have family is because it's God's way, it's God's ideal, it's in God's mind. One of the first things he commanded Adam and Eve to do was to be fruitful and multiply. So God's into family. And he's a dad. <laughs> That's why we call him our heavenly father. And so we are children. We're not just servants. We're not just doing his bidding, as it were, as servants of him without a family connection. We are children of God. We are actually related to Christ. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus himself says, you know, I'm your brother. You know, and, and, and this is hard to get our heads around because Jesus is fully God and fully man. And but through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are identified now in him as adopted into his family and have become sons and daughters of God. Isn't that amazing when you think about it, that we are children of God? You know, this is this is key, folks, that we have a dad and our dad is God. Praise 
God, hallelujah. You know, we call him daddy, daddy. He's our dad, Abba, father. And that's wonderful. So we're not worshipping and, and praying to this big, almighty, powerful God, which he is, of course, from a distance. We are family in him. Praise the Lord. So let's go to the Bible reading section on the notes. And it says here, Romans 8.15 and Romans 8.23 and Ephesians 1 verse 5. So let's read these together and then let's begin to expand on what the scriptures are saying concerning this subject of adoption in Christ. So let's read together Romans 8.15 first. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Very famous scripture, Romans 8.15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Let's just stop there for a moment and let's just expand on this. Now, Romans chapter 8 is really the comparison of a person in an unsaved state versus a person in a saved state. So he, he says throughout Romans, for instance, you are was once in the flesh, but now you're, this is the behaviour of those in the flesh, but now you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit, and the spirit is in you. And it's a comparison between the unsaved state the natural-minded person versus the spiritually-minded person with a new heart, a born-again believer. And that's what you've got to remember when reading Romans 8. Otherwise, you come up with this view of like a dual personality. I'll say that again, a dual personality or a yin and a yang situation. You know, black and white, evil versus good, always constantly at opposing forces at the same level. But that's not true of the believer. We have had a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, hallelujah, and now we are in light. But it says here, you haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now this word bondage is slavery. So he's saying you're not received the spirit of slavery again. So he's talking to Christians here and he's saying, look, you used to be a slave to sin. You used to be enslaved by the fact that you couldn't keep the law. And you were a slave to sin because of the law. And you was in slavery with no way out no way of getting out from the power of the law, no way of fulfilling the law, and so you were slaves to sin. And folks, before we was a Christian, that's entirely true. We were slaves to sin because the law declared us, the law of God declared us to be sinners. The law of God showed us and magnified our sin. In fact, sin's Power was in the law. Not that the law is sinful, but the law gave power to sin because it magnifies the sinful nature and the sinful practices within us and it enslaved us. 
was no way out of a sin nature. And so you've got lots of people today maybe doing good things, might be great people, wonderful to be around, might be good-hearted people, but they are enslaved in a sin nature that they cannot escape without Jesus Christ setting them free. But here he's writing to the believer saying, look, you have not received again the spirit of slavery. So what is he saying? You are actually free. You're a free person. You haven't got the spirit of bondage. You haven't got the spirit of slavery, folks. Now that's key as a Christian, because as you go through your Christian life, if you, you can go through a process where you can think you're bound. You're bound by this, you're bound by that, you're you're bound by sin. You're bound by uh, all kinds of sins and, and practices. You're bound by spirit. You're bound. You're bound. You're bound in your mind. You you're always seem to feel bound. And, and even preachers will tell you bound. And then say, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And the truth will set you free. Yes, he has. His name is Jesus Christ. The way, the truth and the life. And so I am free. And, G, and, and Paul is clearly showing us that we are free from the slavery of sin. We are free from the slavery of the flesh. We are free from the slavery of the law, with its, it, which shows us how sinful and how, how sinful we are before we're saved. But we haven't received that slavery anymore. See, when, when the sin nature says we used to do, when the law condemned us, we was condemned. We couldn't fulfil it. And so we was enslaved in this circle of life, spiritually, where the law said something, God says, do not covet, and we coveted. The law says, do, you know, to basically don't commit adultery, and we committed adultery. All these things. And we was in a place where we broke one, we broke them all, according to the book of James. And so we was found to be sinners. And that was our slavery state. But as a believer, you're no longer a slave, you're a son. I'll say that again. As a believer, you're no longer a slave, you are a son or a daughter of the living God. It says, you have not... Say, I have not. If you're out there watching, I have not received the spirit of slavery. Are you, are you saying that? I hope you are. That's your confession. I have not received the spirit of slavery. But I have received, hallelujah, the spirit of adoption. So what's happening in this scripture is the comparison of slaves and sons. Because even in the Roman world, there were slaves in most households, especially of the more richer people in Rome, and there was many slaves. And they could either be slaves, but also there were some good masters out there who adopted certain slaves to be their sons or their daughters, because there was a legal process of adoption even in Rome and even in Israel as well, under the Jewish uh, law. 
And so the, there are legalities to adoption. And so some, especially in Rome, and he's writing to Rome, remember, he's saying, look, the, sometimes a master will take on a slave to be son and go through the process of adoption. And then that slave becomes a true son with all its benefits, with all its legalities, and will be called a son and will be seen as a son. And that's what the Father in heaven has done. Jesus is the only begotten Son. Hallelujah. He is the Son of the living God. But we have gone through a process of adoption in Christ Jesus. That means we are sons and daughters of the living God. He has given us power to become the sons of God. Meaning there's a, in heaven, it's a legality. That's what some of the justification is about. The legality process of adoption. Praise the Lord. But it's not just a legality. It's a spirit. Let me say that again. But you have received the spirit of adoption. So that's not just the legality aspect. Because sometimes in scripture, we, we and as Christians, we can see everything as legal uh, and positional. It is positional truth. It is legal truth in heaven through justification, hallelujah, the legal aspects of God's work in Christ. But it's also a spirit. We have received the spirit of sonship, folks. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and he has brought into us the spirit of Christ, the spirit of sonship. And, and we are sons and daughters of the living God through this act of adoption. It says... But we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And that's key, folks, because we are not to see God as this, you know, like some. Oh, and I, I listen to people pray sometimes and they say, oh God, oh God, oh God. And there's no adoption there. It's, there's no warmth there. There's no family there. There's no... You know, we are to call God our Father, Abba, Father. Now, what does this mean? Literally, in the Greek, it's Daddy, Daddy. And that's what the spirit of adoption has done in your life in Christ. God is now your dad. Daddy, Daddy. Interpreted, it means that. Not Abba, Father, it's Abba, Abba. Daddy, Daddy is as close as you can get to the real original meaning. Daddy, daddy. You're like that child. You're that child with childlike faith running to daddy, daddy, daddy. I remember, you know, when my kids was growing up and sometimes they used to come out of school, especially in the early years, and they would shout, daddy, daddy. That's what it's like, folks. That, that fatherly and son and father-daughter relationship that you have now with God God himself, the creator of everything, the almighty God is now your dad. And you approach him, daddy, daddy. I just want you to absorb that into your heart and mind for a moment. Because some of you struggle, especially when you're talking to God in prayer. Especially you see him so far away as though he's this big God on a throne. And he has no connection to you whatsoever. No, 
He's daddy, daddy. And in fact, when I pray, when I pray, I call him dad. You know, even we have turned the, the aspects of the Lord prayer where it says, our father who art in heaven. And so even in prayer sometimes, even if we call him uh, father, we say, ah, father. And we've even turned that into an impersonal moment as though our father has become a title. I'll say that again. It's like our father has even become a title in prayer with no, you know, personal aspect to it. Now, I call him daddy, 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 dad, dad, dad. And that's the way I like my children to call me, not Mr. M's. I like to call them, I say, you call me dad, I'm dad. It's that relationship that you have with your children. And so, you know, we're not, you know, we're not, to treat our God like a boss uh, or a master. He's our daddy. And that is that personal relationship we have with our wonderful Father in heaven, the God of the universe in Christ. In fact, Jesus said, after he rose again from the dead, didn't he? He says, my God is now your God. But then he went a step further. After his resurrection, he says, my God is your God. My father is your father. So now it's not just Jesus who talked to their heavenly father. It's, he's, he's brought that spirit into us after the resurrection. When we've received the spirit of adoption. Wherefore we don't just say God. We say daddy, daddy, father, father. Now it's personal. Now it's relationship. Now it's fellowship with the God of the universe in Christ Jesus. So while there is a legal aspect to this, it's also a spirit. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ has entered our hearts, whereby we say, he, like you said, his God is now my God. His Father is now my Father. And it says this, we cry. Now this word cry is a direct discourse. I'll say that again, a direct discourse. And that's key, folks, because this is direct fellowship and relationship we now have with our dad in heaven. And in fact, throughout the week now, I want you to begin to pray, dad. I want you, when you approach God, say dad or daddy, daddy. Begin to say it. Begin to affirm this in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind. Begin to say, Dad. Dad, I come to you today. Dad, these are my prayers today. Say, Dad. And it says a direct discourse. So we're not going roundabout. Stop your roundabout prayers. Can I say that again? Stop your roundabout prayers where you go round the subject. Go direct. Don't rely on other people's prayers. You know, other people's prayers are great, but they are to support you in your prayers. So you pray, Dad, as well. You go directly to your Heavenly Father. We're all in the same boat. I'll say that again. We're all, as Christians, in the same boat. What happens is sometimes we see this powerful person, maybe in the church, their prayers seem to get answered all the time. We go to them and say, pray for me. 
And that's wonderful. We are, in Scripture, supposed to pray for each other. We're encouraged to do so. But not at the expense of your own prayers. I'll say that again. Not at the expense of your own prayers. So while somebody prays for you, with you, that's great, but not so you rely upon that person. Because you're all in the same boat. You're all sons and daughters. Well, they're more anointed than me. No, they're not. They're more powerful than me. No, they're not. That, that They know God more than me. No, they don't. You're all sons and daughters of the living God as a born-again believer. You have the same spirit that they have. So when you see that great man of God or that great woman of God, either in ministry around the world through the internet or on TV, or even in your local church, that, that person who seems to be so powerful to know God in that way. Look, look and say to yourself, I've got the same spirit of adoption. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the living God, just the same, and I cry, Daddy, Daddy, and I go direct to him. Praise the Lord. So when we do pray for one another then, it becomes more of a supportive role to how you are conversing with God yourself. Praise the Lord. And so now let's just have a look before we continue a little bit more on what that word adoption actually means before we continue. The word adoption means this, the nature and condition of true disciples of Christ who by receiving the Spirit of God into their souls becomes the sons of God. And so again, we see two aspects that I've already mentioned, nature and condition. It's your nature that determines your condition. I'll say that again. Listen to me carefully. It is your nature that determines your condition, not your condition that determines your nature. And so the nature and conditions are true disciples in Christ. A lot of the time in our Christianity, we get it mixed up. We think our condition at any moment, we might be having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. We believe our condition is our condition determines our nature. No, it doesn't. Our nature determines our condition, folks. We are conditioned in God according to our nature. And so we have received his spirit into our hearts, into our souls. And so we are, by nature, children of the living God. By nature, we are children of the Lord. We have been adopted as children of God into the family of God with God as our daddy. And that's key, folks, because that is our ground. That's our fundamental foundation there. That in Christ we are adopted as children of God into the family of God. And it is now our nature. Now nature doesn't change, does it? Our nature is our nature. Our spiritual nature is our nature. An apple tree has a nature of being an apple tree. It came from an apple seed. Guess what it produces? It produces apples. And so that's its nature. Even the very fabric of our, the nature around us proves this to be true. We, you know, everything produces after its own kind. 
And guess what God the Son has produced through the new birth after his own kind, children of the living God. And so by nature, that's who we are when we're born again. Whether we understand it, whether we accept it, whether we believe it, whether we, we, miss, we don't remember it, whether we don't live it, we are by nature who we are. Now, that nature determines our condition. So we have received the spirit of sonship. And so we are, I'll say that again, you are children of God. 100% at 100% of time. Always. Because it's your nature and your nature has determined your condition to be children, adopted children of the living God. Praise the Lord. Amen. And let's carry on. Who by receiving the spirit of God into their souls become the sons of God. Children of God through this adoption process. Hallelujah. So it's not only legal. It is now by the Spirit, your new nature, a nature of adoptionness, a nature as a child, and that is fact, it is legal, and it is spiritual. It is your new nature in Christ, and it is determined you in your condition in life to always be a child of God. It cannot be reversed. It's your new nature. I'll say it again, it cannot be reversed. Now, you can choose whether to live here or not. You can choose whether to call him dad or not. And you can live life as though he's not. Almighty God, Jehovah, Jireh, we, we, all wonderful titles of God. But we, if we, look, we've got to live now in Christ with that personal aspect to our fellowship with God, he's now our daddy. He's all of our dad who were born again. Praise the Lord. We have the same father. Amen. So that superstar Christian has the same father and the same nature as you and the same spirit of sonship, the same adoption papers. Can I put it that way like a picture in your mind? All Christians who are truly born again have the same adoption papers. And that paper is Jesus. That paper is Jesus. In fact, it's signed by Jesus himself. If I can put that picture to help you or that the kind of picture language in your mind, you are, it's been signed, sealed and delivered with the blood of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, that now resides in you. Praise the Lord, if you think of it like that, we all have the same adoption paper in Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 8, 23 now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit the redemption of the body. Now, he's saying we're waiting for the adoption. 
And what he means here is, look, you've, we've talked first and foremost of Romans 8.15 about the spirit of adoption, the spirit we have received. Now we are released from fear. Now we don't fear God in the way of dread and judgment and condemnation. Now we see God as our father. It's our new nature. It's legal and it's spiritual, praise the Lord. And we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God in our hearts and in our spirit, into our souls, praise the Lord. And that has conditioned our uh, position in Christ Jesus as sons and daughters of the living God through this process of adoption. Now, Romans 8.23 talks about waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So now this is about the physical aspect of adoption. Our bodies, as in all cases I've said through just Jesus, have to catch up with the reality of our spirit. You see, our spirit is new, our spirit is changed, it has a new nature. Now we're waiting for that adoption process because part of the adoption process is not just spiritual. The adoption process as sons of God is also physical. It says when we see him, we shall be like him. We shall be changed, hallelujah, in a twinkling of an eye. We will put on immortality. We will be raised from the dead. And so our bodies also promised as part of this adoption process to, that our bodies will catch up with what has happened to us already spiritually and that our bodies are also sons of God and daughters of God. We will be changed to be like Jesus. In all words, we will put on immortality as part of this adoption process. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that something to look forward to? So we're not going to heaven in these bodies, are we? We're not, we're not going to go through the thousand years reign of Christ with these bodies, are we? We're not going to go into the new heavens and the new earth we were a great, wonderful new spirit where our body's getting older and older and older. No, no, we put on immortality. So this spirit of adoption is also a guarantee that our bodies are going to go also through that process to immortality when Christ returns, hallelujah, when we're raptured and in a twinkling of an eye we'll be changed to be like him. He is the son of God, not just spiritually in that sense he's the son of god physically as well hallelujah first fruit is the resurrection and we shall be like him praise the lord nothing is missed out i'll say that again nothing is missed out in this adoption process and you've got to understand if you think of it like that as part of adoption in even natural process it's physical mental spiritual uh, you're taking on the whole person, is, if I can say that. When you adopt in real life, you're taking on the whole person, their character, their spirit, their mind, their emotions, and their bodies. Everything about them has to be looked after. Everything about them has to mature. The whole person is who they are is what you've adopted. And in the same way with God, he's adopted all of us our mind, our body, our soul, he's adopted. He's put a new heart, a new spirit, a new mind in us. And he's also going to extend to our bodies. Praise the Lord. 
and we shall be changed. So there's the spiritual and the physical aspect of adoption. And he says, we groan within ourselves, which means sigh. We sigh within ourselves for that day to come. Our spirit is alive. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We've been adopted into his family. And but our bodies sometimes ache. Our bodies get tired. Our bodies see what's happening around us in the world. And we sigh within ourselves, waiting for that moment of time where we shall be changed to be like him. And Ephesians 1 verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will. So again, having predestinated us unto adoption, that word unto is all, it's probably better rendered into, into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. So he's clearly sees by Jesus, it's in Jesus, it's by his work, it's who we are in, it's Christ where we are adopted. And we are predestinated for that. The word predestinated means to predetermine, to decide beforehand. In the New Testament, it means God decreeing from eternity to foreordain and appoint beforehand. So God wanted to adopt you. God wanted you to be his child. And for some reason, a lot of the time we go through our Christian lives, we go through our church lives, and we almost feel like God doesn't want us. It's as though he's had to do it. It's as though he should have done it. And because his son died, oh, I better do it then. No, this is something that God decided beforehand. He wanted you as his child. He wanted you as a son and a daughter. And he's done it by his spirit in you. Praise the Lord. In other words, he wants you part of his family. And he wants you to call him daddy. He wants you to address him as dad. He wants you to do that. He wants to have that intimate fellowship with you hallelujah and he has it in christ in you you just gotta learn to acknowledge it so this is in a seven step series on how to uh, get close to god in terms of intimate relationship so you can know him as father i'm saying you're already there you already know him as father. He's already your father. There are no seven steps. Just acknowledge, enjoy, live. When you pray, say dad and, and talk to him and approach him and think about him and acknowledge him as so. Praise the Lord with that love in your heart towards him. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's something that God has determined beforehand. And so that's a wonderful thing. He wanted to adopt you into his family. It's a good pleasure of his will, which means it's his choice. It's his kindly intent. It's his benevolence. It's his good pleasure. He loves you to be part of his family. He loves you to be his son and his daughter. Now, you might look at yourself and say, no chance. Or you might have had a relationship with your own family. That meant, you know, you kind of blurred your vision of what the Heavenly Father's like or blurred your vision 
uh, naturally speaking, of what family's like. And we've all got our stories to tell. But he's a wonderful, loving, heavenly father. And he's your dad. It's now your nature. It's now your spirit. Praise the Lord. So now let's just go to the explanation part of the notes and read with me together. Before you became a Christian, your spiritual father was the devil. That's John 8, 44. You can read that in your own time. That our father was the devil. That's our nature before. Remember when I talked about nature and condition has now changed? The spirit of your father. Well, before we were born again, the devil was our father. Sin was our nature. Death was our nature. Darkness was our nature. But now we are children of the living God by his spirit. Praise the Lord. The blood of Christ is our adoption paper and it is factually true of us. We have been adopted. We're just waiting also for our bodies to be changed. And it's also the fact that we have the spirit of our father in us that guarantees we're going to be raptured and changed. No partial rapture here. No, he does it to all his sons because it's a promise as part of the adoption. So the devil was our father. He's no longer our father. We no longer have his nature. We no longer have his spirit. We know we're no longer in darkness. But our spiritual father was the devil because of the fall of Adam. Christians are now in Christ. That's you. God's son, therefore, uh, God's son, therefore, you've been adopted into God's family as a child of God. You're no longer the devil's. You're no longer belong to him as a family member or a servant to obey. You as a Christian have all the benefits, blessings and rights as of a child of God. That's part of the adoption uh, process, folks. So remember I said about the Roman world when they used to take on and adopt a son, for instance, maybe even one of their slaves as a son. They would have all the benefits, all the legalities, all the relationship as a son. And so that's why if they didn't have a child, a son, they could also pass on their goods by adopting them into the family. You as a Christian have all the benefits, blessings, rights as a child of God. The means by which you had been adopted was the Holy Spirit coming into you. So it's the Holy Spirit, remember that spirit of adoption, who has made it real. He has applied what Christ has done and he has manifested it. He's made it real. He's made it experiential in you. And that's why I really want to communicate to you. This is experiential. This is true. This is the reality. God is now your dad. And I really want you to get that in your hearts because this is not just doctrine. This is not just, it is doctrine. But the, doc, the doctrine is the reality of who you are now in Christ. It's the reality of what's happened to you. It is fact. It's reality, it's true, it's real, it's tangible, not just a set of words on a page, okay? And that's what you really need to absorb into you and acknowledge it is fact, it is real, amen.
The means by which you were adopted was the Holy Spirit coming into you. You can now call God Father and Daddy, which shows you how closely related to God you are by the indwelling of his spirit at salvation. So this happened at salvation. When you were saved, his spirit indwelt you and brought this spirit of adoption and made you a child of the living God. Amen. It is, in fact, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Another scripture says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so the Holy Spirit made it manifest, made it experiential, he made it real, and it manifested in your spirit, and it's true, and it's factual, and sealed. So there's no way of going back. You're sealed as a son and a daughter of the living God. So this isn't about losing your sonship. You know, there's a lot of preaching out there about Esau losing his rights as a son for a bowl of soup. We're not in that situation. We are sealed in the spirit and with the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. God wanted you as his child and family from the eternity past. You were born again experience was no accident. You're adopted into his family. He wants you. It is his pleasure and goodwill towards you. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. And so there's two other scriptures we're going to look at today. Galatians 4 verses 4 to 7 and Romans 9 verse 4. Let's read Galatians 4 verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman were made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the spirit of adoption adoption of sons and because you are sons God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts that's Jesus crying Abba father daddy daddy wherefore thou art no more a servant no more a slave but a son if a son then an heir of God through Christ and so Galatians church was really being uh, in a situation where they'd had Paul, <coughs> excuse me, we'd had Paul preach the gospel of grace, clearly founded Christ in them, and then they was easily bewitched by people coming in saying, now you're a Christian, now you're in Christ, that's wonderful, but now you must obey the law. And the law was bringing their minds, and I say their minds, into slavery again. They're thinking into slavery again. And Paul's writing, no, 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 no. God was sent in the fullness of time, took upon himself human flesh. He sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem us from under the law, to buy us back from slavery. We're no longer to be slaves under the law. We are not servants to obey the law. We are not servants to be a slave to the law. We are now sons and daughters of the living God where we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And he says clearly, you're no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. This is so powerful, folks. Made under woman is the virgin birth. 
made under the law shows that Jesus kept the law 100%. And you must understand that when you're reading his Galilean ministry through the Gospels. That's why Christians get confused with certain things he says. Because he's saying certain things under the law to people who was also under the law. And he kept the law, praise God. But he's also speaking a future of a time of Graves that would come because of his death and resurrection. And there's, that, that there's the two ministries going on there. There's the ministry uh, of him being a son under the law, but also as a prophet proclaiming what was to come. And you must understand that when you're reading the Gospels. But Jesus kept the law perfectly because we couldn't. And by doing that on the cross, he redeemed us and he brought us back by the blood of his cross from slavery so that we could be sons and that's why folks Paul got very angry with the Galatian church and he, he rebuked them for what why are you so easily bewitched why have you been taken off course so quickly because Christ died that you could be redeemed from under the law and you become a son and now you want to go back to the law why would you want to do that after Christ died and rose again and so, folks, that's true today. When you have Christians trying to live according to the law, when they cannot fulfil it, they cannot do it. And it's clearly stated we're not slaves to the law. We're not servants to obey it anymore. We are dead to sin. We are dead to the law. Praise the Lord. Now we are sons and we have the spirit. We don't have it on tablets of stone. We have He's very spirit and nature now in our hearts, praise the Lord. Amen. And so we're no longer slaves. And again, that's that picture of a Roman slave who would be brought into the family no longer as a slave to obey the rules, to obey the master with the written laws. Now you take on the spirit of sonship. Hallelujah. Now you're a family member. And that doesn't mean we do what we like. That doesn't mean we go and sing our heads off. No, because we're part of a family. God is our dad. He's our new nature. And that is our guide through the word of the living God. That Even the New Testament explores this. It shows us even the do's and don'ts in the new covenant are the very spirit of Christ that now resides in us. And he's guiding us to be expressed. And, and causing us and teaching us to express that very life of Christ through all our actions. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so we have all the benefits. We are heirs of God now. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? We, we, have, we are heirs of God. We have received the promise of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so Romans 9 now, verse 4 who are Israelites whom pertaineth to the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promise. See, adoption, what Paul's talking about in Romans 9, 4, is the Israelites. They was given the covenants, the promises, the oracles by God, separated from the rest of the world, from the Gentiles, and they had everything that pertained to adoption and sonship. Praise the Lord. 
But you cannot rely, and they tried to rely upon the DNA that Abraham was their father. And so they believed that they were sons. They were sons of Abraham. And physically that was true. They were sons of Abraham. But to be a son of God, to be a child of the living God, it's not about DNA. It's about the spirit inside of you who is Christ according to what Galatians 4 also says. Because he says he sent the spirit of his son into your heart. That's your spirit. Amen. And we are united with the son of the living God and have become sons and daughters of the living God. So that's not about DNA. Hallelujah. And so the Jews had to understand what Christ was trying to get them to do. Don't rely upon DNA. No, no, no. You have the DNA. You have the covenant. You have the promise. So you could be a light to the world to show them to believe on the Messiah when he came. And of course, we know that as a nation, they didn't. Whereas individuals, a lot did. Praise the Lord. But we know that will change in the tribulation period. And that's another subject. So now let's just go to the apply section of the notes. Let's read it together. Begin to recognise that God is your father. He's your dad. And you are his child forever. Don't allow, listen carefully, don't allow your earthly upbringing to dictate your view of the heavenly father. That is so key. Don't allow your earthly father and your earthly parents, or lack of, to dictate your view of the Heavenly Father. Questions. Three questions today. Question one. What does God, calling God Dad reveal to you about being in Christ? I'll say that again. What does calling God Dad reveal to you about being in Christ? Question two. How does our natural Father influence our view of our Heavenly Father? And question three, what is the future promise concerning your body or our bodies do we have because of adoption? So what is the future promise concerning our bodies we have because of adoption? And so next time, until next time, just Jesus, I hope that's been a blessing to you. God bless. <laughs>